Otherwise on SAFM. Good day to you, Mzansi. Welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. The show is produced by Hazel Makuzeni, and our technical producer for today is Rob Parkin. You may reach us on 0892102010, email otherwise at safm.co.za, tweets at otherwise SAFM, or at Shadow Twala. Now, Julie Taylor is an art entrepreneur and founder of Guns and Rain, an online platform for contemporary fine art. She explains how she aims to help artists break into the global art economy. Then Atlehang Ramatisele explains how we can better use e-commerce for doing business on the continent. Finally, we hear about Africa's top trends from Sheena Adams, Deputy Editor of Destiny Magazine. And being Africa Month... Uh, I thought we'll dedicate our lunch bite to African music and music from the continent. And I chose none other than Yusundo, and this one is called Generations, but because you won't understand most of the language, I thought I'd tell you that it's, it, it, the song is about these times, and those times are different. In our ancestors' time, they got along with each other. Yo, yo. These times and those times are different. In our ancestors' times, nobody starved to death. And it goes on consciously like that. But really calling for all of us to just do what our ancestors did and uh, just all get along. Otherwise, on SAFM. Founder Julie Taylor is an anthropologist, communications guru, art entrepreneur, interested in the intersection of technology, the creative spirit, and the underrepresentation of African fine art in the global economy. Julie Taylor, welcome. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Thanks so much for having me, Shadow. Great to be here. Guns and Rain. Interesting name. Where did it come from? <laughs> Good question. Everyone asks. Um, it is actually the name of a book by an anthropologist called David Lann. He did his uh, field work in northern Zimbabwe in 1980, 1981, and his work is about the relationship between um, guerrilla soldiers and spirit mediums during Zimbabwe's independence struggle. Um, so it's very much about the themes of land, belonging, change, struggle, and all of those themes are themes that are important to me and which are very much reflected uh, in the art that is on the Guns and Rain platform. Well, I can imagine the art, that's, that's a wonderful theme to work within because there's, there's so much expression that can come out of it. There is, indeed. And, um, you know, Guns and Rain is an online gallery. It's, uh, it's a curated uh, space. But I think a lot of the work that is there resonates with me because of those themes around um, what I mentioned, identity, land, struggle, change. Um, many of the young artists are um, still sort of emerging. They don't necessarily have um, a, a, um, a dedicated gallery space for representation at this stage. Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to think about how we can harness technology to better represent African art um, on the web. Is your past work with Google, has that made it better for you to better frame uh, your ideas and help uh, the art, uh, you know, create space for the art uh, on, the, on the net? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I learned a huge amount um, during my time at Google um, about uh, about technology, about communications, about online marketing, about online advertising. And I think all of that um, combined with my, my passion for visual arts and also um, combined with my interest in sort of anthropological themes mm -hmm. has really all come together now uh, in the form of Guns and Rain, which was very exciting. 
So how then do you source? You know, a few a few months ago, uh, we were talking with a group of, of people who were trying to get uh, Africans to buy art specifically because apparently we don't buy as much and we don't attend uh, exhibitions. We don't, uh, we know very little because I suppose the language has been different. So how how do we... Firstly, create audiences within the continent, uh, and, and we'll we'll talk about the, the the global art economy. But how do we create audiences and and investors within the continent to appreciate the work that you do? Those are all excellent questions, and I don't necessarily have the answers to all of them just yet. <laughs> but there are certainly questions which are driving uh, what, what I'm doing. I think maybe a good place to start might be just to outline a couple of the trends that I'm seeing both in the offline and online world. Mm -hmm. I think um, globally there's been a huge explosion of international interest in African contemporary art. Mm -hmm. Um, But And likewise, there's also been an explosion of online art initiatives around the world. Mm -hmm. However, um, if we take a look at the, the piece of the pie being made up by African contemporary art, online, it's still very, very small. And so Guns and Rain is really trying to fill that gap for an accessible, um, affordable representation of um, African visual art. Um, I think, you know, my, my interests are both in uh, artist development and audience development. And I think you've pointed to the very critical issue of audience um, development, mm-hmm. both um, within our country and across um, the continent. Um, I think there's still much work to be done and a lot of different organizations and institutions and people in the art space are working um, towards that. Um, where What's important to me is that we think about technology and how, how the web can actually help people um, access art more easily and perhaps get, get away from um, this idea that art spaces are exclusive or mm. expensive or mm. um, a bit intimidating. And, and when you look at the web and especially social media, the web and social media is for everyone. It's, it's very easy to access. Mm. Um, most people will be accessing social media over their phone, even if they don't have their own computer, even if they don't um, have access to a computer in the library or at school or at university. Um, so. I think the web plays a very important part in kind of leveling the playing field and making art more accessible to people in general. And via the web, we can learn more easily about art. Um, We don't have to necessarily go to a museum or a gallery space um, to do that. So I think it's about exposure, about education. Um, There's no quick and easy solution, but I think um, bit by bit, uh, the web will help really raise awareness about visual art that's coming out of this continent. Julie, I, I really appreciate what you're doing and, and, and creating that platform because I had an exercise not so long ago where I was trying to get a, a painting of mine evaluated. And and I, I, I kind of felt some resistance because of the type of artist that it was and his, his well, they, and, you know, gallerists, I suppose, gang up and decide on on paintings how much they should cost and who they carry and the audience they carry for usually for for the tourist more than you know just a local art buyer and and the, the, there's a there's a political 
um, agenda that exists within these galleries that exist, especially in, in, in on, on fixed galleries, I must add, uh, that seems to not be accessible for the young artist or one that wants to enter the market. Am I, am I feeling something that doesn't exist or have you noticed that? Um, look, I think there are all sorts of dynamics at play and these kind of dynamics are not particular only to South Africa. I think um, they're probably often prevalent um, in many different um, countries. And look, there are always going to be um, sort of different uh, different art spaces catering to different markets, right? Mm -hmm. And some of those markets will be your your high-end um, buyers and collectors. Um, for who, you know, we're talking about artwork that the majority of people will probably never be able to afford in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, I think the angle that I'm trying to come from is to say, well, you know what? Even if you got a thousand rand um, or fifteen hundred rand, you can still buy a beautiful piece of art. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, it might be it, it might be uh, small. It might um, it, it might be a print, perhaps. Um, but you can still own something really beautiful. You can still contribute to that artist's career. Mm -hmm. um, and if the web can help in, in making those connections um, between sellers and buyers, then, then that's fantastic. That's not to say that the quality of the work is not important. And, you know, I, I spend a lot of time uh, going around seeing what's happening in the art space here and also in our neighboring countries, especially in Namibia and Zimbabwe. And... Um, Seeing what the young artists are up to, and I, you know, I do take a lot of time and care to to um, see what the artists are up to, and I try to identify artists who are really committed to their work, mm. um, who have a promising um, trajectory. Uh, perhaps they've won some local competitions. Perhaps they've mm. secured some residencies. Um, so, you know, it, it's not a, um, a question of letting go of um, the idea of quality, but mm. um, yes, I think there's all sorts of ways that we can make. Um, art more accessible to people and in doing so we can support young artists careers as well is there a particular medium that's that's more exciting and more popular than the other or that you would look out for uh, more than the other well at the moment i'm focusing mostly on art on paper and art on canvas mm -hmm. this is because quite a lot of my buyers are international buyers and because the artworks then have to be shipped internationally mm -hmm. so of course it's important that um uh, that can be done relatively easily and re relatively affordably. Um, when you start to think about very sort of large works or um, installations or sculpture, then of course the, the, the costs and the logistics become that much um, steeper and more complicated. Mm -hmm. um, so at, at the moment I do focus on work on paper and work on canvas. Um, I do have quite a lot of uh, printmakers represented on the site, so people, uh, artists who are um, creating etchings, dry points, liner cuts, all those kind of um, mediums. But there are also painters and um, um, people working on, on canvas as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But of course, I, I can understand because you deliver anywhere in the world, so your packaging costs must must uh, increase the price you sell a, 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 a piece for, huh? Um, it does, but of course the, the you know the majority of that expense falls to the buyer. You know the buyer does need ah, to cover the cost okay. um, of of the shipping. So, you know my aim is to try and get a good fair price for the artist um, to make sure um, that that is the sort of first and foremost, um, and then also to to try and keep the cost of shipping down for the buyer as much as possible. 
So there's, there's always a lot to learn on this front. I'm learning all the time, every day, I can show you. Um, it's exciting, a though. cardboard tubes in the last um, six months, but it's very exciting. It is. It must be. I'm, I'm excited at the fact that you're starting something new to you as well. Uh, is, is there a reason why you concentrate on Southern Africa more than the rest of the continent? Well, I think it's just because it's early days, um, Shadow, and I would certainly like to expand um, you know, Guns and Rain is still um, really only about nine months old in terms of the time that I've started working on it full time since I, I left Google. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for that reason, there's a huge amount of work to be done just within our region first beyond, mm-hmm. before expanding um, further. And, of course, even within South Africa, you know, there's the level of creativity here, the volume of work being produced is really extraordinary. And mm-hmm. um, I must say quite quite humbling to, to see when you... Just, just the, the sheer volume and output um, being created just in this country. And then, of course, you know, if you look further afield to our neighbors, there's also a huge amount going on there. So I think, um, yeah, step by step, focusing on, on southern Africa at the moment, but hopefully in the future, I'll start to um, branch out further afield as well. The biggest conversation about people affording art has been about the cost of it. Who decides what a, a, a piece is worth? Uh, a piece of work, um, you know, uh, how how does the pricing happen? Does the artist say, listen, I've had five years experience, I've studied this, and I think, therefore, my painting is worth this much? Who makes that decision? It's a, it's a complicated um, set of factors, I'd say, Shadow. And uh, again, you know, this is something that, especially for young artists coming onto the stage for the first time and for... Um, you know, early stage dealers as well coming onto the stage for the first time. Um, there's a lot to kind of learn in this arena and there's not always sort of easy answers. Um, but yes, you know, I think the, the prices are determined by a number of different factors. Um, the artist's overall sort of standing, um, the sort of the degree of perhaps interest in, in the marketplace, as it were, um, the, perhaps the type of um, medium that is being used, mm. the amount of time and effort that has gone into the work, whether it is original or whether it is a set um, or a series of, of prints and editions, a limited edition work. Um, so all of these go, come into the equation. It also depends whether we're talking about sales being made on the primary market or the secondary market. So the primary market is sort of artists selling for the first time to buyers, mm. whereas the secondary market is when an artwork and has actually been bought and sold several times in its own lifetime already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yes, there are lots of different factors to take into consideration. And um, but but I think in the art world in general, um, there's an effort to try and uh, I suppose for various different parties to communicate with each other and and establish standards which are acceptable to all, and to try not to um, sort of falsely push up. Um, the prices of certain artists or, or artworks, if if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And and there's there's been a, a I don't know a, a, a very huge interest in 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 African art recently from the international community. Do you know why all of a sudden, or has it been gaining momentum slowly and it's just reached uh, its heights now? I think it has been gaining momentum over the last two years. I think it is certainly related to the fact that there's this kind of um, 
shifting and changing perception of Africa as a continent um, in the global economy and in the global sphere. So, you know, if we look from an economic perspective, in the next five years, probably seven out of ten of the world's fastest growing economies are expected to be in Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that has, of of course, drawn um, all sorts of international attention to, um, to the continent. And I think related to this, you know, there's, there's an exploration of um, sort of more exploration of, of African products of various kinds, various kinds, and that uh, includes contemporary African art. And yes, we've definitely seen a pickup of interest um, among European uh, auction houses, for example. We've also seen uh, the appearance of new African-focused art fairs, for example, mm-hmm. 154, which um, is now and it's going to be in its third year this year in London and is actually this coming week making an appearance in New York for the first time mm-hmm. um, and several others. So yes, I think it's it's tied to global trends um, in which the sort of perception about the narrative of Africa has has changed and I and I think definitely for for the better um, and and there's starting to be much more recognition. Um, of the the, sort of the volume of creativity here, and not only the volume, but the, the quality uh, that, that that we're seeing. Um, I think one last thing to mention is that something we still need to overcome is this idea that Africa is a country, <laughs> <laughs> which is why the 154 Art Fair is called 154 after the 54 um, African countries to try and remind people that it's not just um, this sort of this one vague country called Africa. There's actually a huge um, a huge, huge variety uh, of, of of countries, of cultures, of languages, and of course, um, of visual art. And what and better way to what better way to learn about Africa than through the the, the stories told through the art? Really, uh, the the pictures will speak volumes about the different cultures that exist and 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 what we experience uh, on the continent. How do people make contact with you, Julie? Well, they can find me very easily. Um, online. Um, I'm on social media all the time. You can find Guns and Rain on Twitter, on Facebook, on uh, LinkedIn, on Instagram. They can go to the website. It's www.gunsandrain.com um, or they can email me and they can email me at info, I-N-F-O, at gunsandrain.com. Who was it also again, Guns and Rain? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? The, the author of Guns and Rain. Who was oh, he? Oh, the author. It's David Lan, L-A-N. Um, he actually was South African born, um, but he became, after spending some time in the anthropology field, he became a playwright, and he is now the um, director of a, uh, a theatre in London. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So um, people can then find you, young artists can come to you. And if we're not online, do we expect to see some of the artworks pop up anywhere uh, in other spaces? Yes, certainly. Um, Guns and Rain will be at the Turbine Art Fair in July this year in Johannesburg. Um, And I I do have uh, a number of sort of informal pop-up events happening during the year, specifically for... Um, you know, for the offline space. Mm-hmm. So if people would like to find out about those, um, they should just try and get in touch with me or sign up for the Guns and Rain mailing list, and then they can stay in the loop um, for those pop-up events and also for the Turbine Art Fair, which is in July. 
Fantastic. So we can get hold of you for that as well. And that would be on the website. Now, I want to ask a personal question. How do you let go of all these beautiful pieces of art when you found them? Because I, I, I would find it very difficult to, because you must have some sort of attachment to them and want, want to keep them in whatever form. Great question, great question. Yes, I, I'm trying to force myself to be as disciplined as possible. <laughs> but it is really hard because obviously, you know, a lot of the work that I'm selecting for the site is work that resonates with me personally as well. So, yes, I'm trying to be very grown up about it and practice <laughs> non-attachment at all times. <laughs> or purchase, purchase it yourself, which will cost you a <laughs> yes, lot of well, money. From, from time to time, I make, I make an exception, but... Um, Yes, you know, it's it's still a small startup business, so one has to be very disciplined. Julie, congratulations. Thank you for talking to us, and all the best. Keep us posted whenever you do um, pop up anywhere. Um, Just let us know. Thank you so much, Shadow. I really appreciate uh, your interest. Um, Great speaking to you, and thanks so much to all your listeners as well. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Julie. Bye-bye. It is, um, yeah, go to the website. I love the guns and rain and the story behind it. Uh, so it's www.gunsandrain.com or you may uh, email Julie at info at gunsandrain.com. Um, and, and, yeah, I think it's a wonderful platform for young artists. Otherwise, on SAFM. Apparently, compared with other parts of the world, Africa's e-commerce participation is underdeveloped. But as connectivity across the continent increases, more young Africans are spearheading thriving online businesses. So writes Atlehang Ramatisele. She joins me now. Atlehang Ramatisele, welcome and, and thank you for taking time to talk to us. Hi, Shadow. Thank you so much for having me. What are we missing as far as I know for myself? I will never buy anything online, let alone do business online. What am I missing? Well, that is partially the issue, Shadow. I spoke to the CFO of e-commerce at Media24 when I was doing this article, Mm. and he explained to me that it's largely mistrust, you know, from cybercrime and things of that nature that makes people a little bit nervous, you know, to go the e-commerce route. But more than anything, our competitiveness has been lowered because we have, you know, specific socioeconomic issues that have made our internet and mobile penetration lower, and that is the thing that we're missing. But um, one thing that's for sure is that it's definitely going to boom and it's better to get into it now rather than later so that you can be established when there's that spike. Well, you know, uh, when I read your article, I understand that, you know, logistics don't allow us to do business uh, across the borders and e-commerce should be that solution. And, And yet we're not using it as much. And you talked about trust, but what about the knowledge of it? You know, understanding uh, how it works. Do we know enough? Uh, absolutely not, and uh, that is that is one of the primary issues as well. The thing that will help, obviously, is education, investment in infrastructure, and those are the sort of things that are going to help improve. We don't know enough, and that's why we're mistrustful. And I think not only as consumers, I think also as business people, the reason why not enough people are going into e-commerce is because they're not equipped with enough of the knowledge that it's actually quite an easy industry to get into. It's not capital intensive, and there's so many different price points that you can can start an online venture that uh, honestly if you arm yourself with the information it's it's not a bad choice mm-hmm. 
And now I think always when I see something sold online, it, it's always been, you know, fashion, you know, buy, <laughs> buy this dress and a yeah. new pair of shoes and uh, almost disposable stuff, if you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. I've never seen hard, uh, 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 what big, big, big uh, assets and or investments being sold online as much as I see your every day. So, is that the easiest way of getting in, starting with small everyday things? I think at the moment, absolutely, in a e-commerce uh, industry that's as young as South Africa's or Africa's, um, to be more specific, I think obviously that's why we're starting a bit smaller because that's what's familiar. But I really think as data becomes cheaper, as Wi-Fi becomes more available, you'll find uh, much bigger assets being sold online. But I think because we're so young in the industry, we're just moving a little bit slower by starting with smaller items. Okay, and, and, and I suppose those are the ones we would understand better. But have, do you know one, one great success story that you can tell us about that will encourage people to, to go and look at, at what they're missing or maybe even get more information about e-commerce? Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the women I profiled, her name is Talia Goldberg. She chose such an innovative way of getting into e-commerce because, as you mentioned, you think of fashion or you think of household items. She actually used social media and uh, e-commerce to create her own business where she does printing. Um, you go onto Instagram and they select your images for you and they print it for you in a Polaroid style. Oh, wow. And I mean, it's such an innovative way to get into e-commerce. And she was explaining to me that the only difference between her and um, another person who wants to get into e-commerce but hasn't is that she took the she said because competition is so low at the moment, it really the time is now to get into it. So those are some of the success stories that I've come across where people are taking innovative ideas and putting them online simply by taking the leap. And there is no red tape as you would need to have when you start a business, uh, registering the company and those kinds of things, or does it, does that exist? Is there a process that one needs to, to No, go there's through? definitely processes. Uh, they're a little bit less intense than, you know, traditional uh, entrepreneurship, but there's, there's obviously some protocols that you need to follow. But I think uh, people's um, trepidation isn't as necessary as it, as it may seem. Honestly, it's, it's not a difficult industry to get into at all. And... Um, as I say, if you arm yourself with the information, you'll find that you can get into it very quickly. Okay, um, so maybe understand your social media even better, uh, yes. as, as, so that you get you are able to to navigate uh, e, e tailing. I, I see, not retailing, but e tailing. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's called. Yes. Well, and the thing the thing that I'd want to encourage your listeners is um, is to just go out there and get the information because um, even though you know South Africa is one of the more robust economies in you know the continent, the point is our e commerce is still contributing a tiny percent to our. Retail retail share as a whole. So, you know, the sooner you get in there and establish yourself, by the time we start getting into e-commerce in a big way, you will have already been established. Are there, are there opportunities for a franchise on, 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 on e-commerce? Well, I must be honest, I'm not, I wouldn't know 100%, mm -hmm. but I really imagine so. Yeah, because I, 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 I just see it as doing business across the continent so much easier. So, you know, somebody else can start it in Nigeria and I, I do the, I suppose it's a virtual world, so you can't quite do that. Now, I have lots of questions. I need to get myself very no, informed you're not about wrong. I think it does completely obliterate the borders and it makes, you know, cross-border uh, business relations so much easier. And so that would make it seem possible that franchising could happen and quicker. Well, can we ask you to go and research that? 
I will do. I will do, Shadow, and I'll come right back to you. <laughs> come back to us. But yes. I, I enjoyed this. Thank you so much for, for, for bringing it on oh, and yes, at least making, so making it so easy for us. Because uh, a lot of us don't bother to go and look for information. We really want to catch things uh, at the top. But I, I, I thank you so much, uh, Ms. Ramatasele. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for your time and for having me. Thank you. Yes. Bye bye. That's Atlehang Ramatisele. She she writes for she wrote of, of in the May issue of Destiny magazine. So go and find that article. It's called Evolving. Um and uh, very interesting reading and to encourage young people. You know, we say we don't have jobs, we're sitting at home doing nothing. Well and you're still on your phone. Well, this is this is something you may get up to. But what are some of Africa's top trends? According to Destiny magazine, uh investigation report, Sheena Adams is going to talk to us about them. Uh and there's lots. There's the top twenty. We'll find out. Africa's hot top twenty. Otherwise, on SAFM. Sheena, twice in one month, eh? Sorry? Hi. <laughs> I said twice in one month. Twice in one month, I know. I'm so lucky. How are you? Are you good? I'm very well, thanks. How's it going? No, it's going very well. I'm loving all these things to do with Africa. There's so much. We're connecting with people. We're getting to know each other better. And uh, you've given us what, what brought about the Africa's Hot Top 20. So um, we do this Africa issue. It's the second consecutive year that we've done it um, in the month of May, um, although we are trying to sort of up our African content generally. But for the month of May, we dedicate the whole issue um, to the continent. And I think it's something South Africans need to do sort of more... Um, with more focus, given what we've seen uh, in Johannesburg and Durban. But basically, we did a roundup of some really interesting trends that we're seeing from various countries. Um, and it's a mix of some of the more um, expected trends, like the mobile industry's explosion in countries like Nigeria mm. um, and Kenya, um, how the middle class is growing. But then also some um, interesting um, trends around robotics, for instance, in, in the DRC, where they have this amazing women's science um, Therese Zay, who runs a women's technology cooperative, and she's installing robots across across um, the DRC to create engineer um, jobs rather for female engineers, wow. and and really interesting businesses um, like young um, uh, rather nascent fashion entrepreneurs like Swaziland's House of Diva, which uh, is a young fashion label, three years old, that's doing really really well. Um, to something on skateboarding in Uganda that's keeping young kids off the street, um, to Lila Moholo, uh, governor of the Bank of Botswana since 1999. So quite a mixed bag of things that we can um, find optimism in in Africa at the moment. How did you search, though, for, for all these people and all these businesses? Because, you know, did you target one particular or did you choose the countries first? Uh, or did you, were you looking, yeah. was there a theme that runs through it? Not necessarily a theme. We just really didn't want to focus on one sector too much. So we tried to focus on, on trends that uh, came from as wide a variety of sectors as possible. So we had robotics, we had fashion, we had Oliver Mtukutsi on the music side. We're looking at trout fishing in Lesotho. And I mean, it's a very subjective process, um, 
in itself, but it was basically just uh, editors and journalists sitting around a table and working out which sort of had the most resonance mm-hmm. uh, for readers. You know, funny enough, I was looking through social media the other day, and, and MTN is doing so well in 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 in, in Nigeria. Yes, and and I thought here's another company, Nando's, a South African company, for also sure. doing amazingly well around the world. Amazingly well, and it's interesting because we've had other brands like Woolworths that have tried to crack those markets and failed. So it's really nice to look at where the success stories are and to try and interrogate, you know, why they've been so successful, why some South African brands do so well um, and others not so much. Well, I was wondering as well how we use this information that you've given us to connect, you know, within the same industries. For instance, the ladies in Swaziland are doing... Are doing ready-to-work garments, uh, sourced fabric sourced from the DRC. And I know we have that a lot here as well, but how do, how do we then work together and create a bigger um, brand in, in, you know, yeah. on the continent? So I think it's just in terms of consumer awareness, it's quite powerful. You know, the next time you're looking for an outfit for a wedding to rather think local rather than international, um, you know, whether it's something you're shopping, you're shopping, you know, looking for groceries, look for some like trout that's made in Lesotho or in South Africa rather than imported from other countries. So it's really just raising consumer awareness, I think, of brands and businesses um, where if you plow into them, the economic um, impact is felt sort of in a local environment to just be a lot more conscious of what we consume and how we consume them. Well, I really would like a network of some kind with all these people because they're all doing amazing things that scientists is, is you know, I, I like what she's doing. Yeah. So we, we depend on you now because you've taken the responsibility of bringing these uh, top 20s to us, Africa's top 20s. So we, we look forward to the next one. Absolutely. And, and, and people can take the conversation online. We've got a hashtag running at the moment, hashtag Africa 20. If you need contact details or need to get in touch with any of the companies or people, mentioned happy for us uh, to engage further on twitter oh that's what i wanted to hear that's yeah. what i wanted to hear <laughs> okay so give us give us that uh, the website again so it's um, hashtag Africa20 and the website's DestinyConnect.com. So if you just hashtag Africa20 and hashtag DestinyConnect on Twitter or on Facebook, um, it's Destiny, easy to get in touch with us. Destiny Connect. Destiny Connect. You yeah. say it every day, so you say it so quickly. Disconnect. Sorry. <laughs> Destiny Connect. Yeah. Destiny Connect and uh, hashtag Africa20. That's right. And numerical 20, right? Uh-huh. The number. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Gina. Talk Thank to you, you soon. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. She knows that is, is is deputy editor for Destiny magazine, and go and look at them. And and as I say, please, you may want to be in touch, and they've offered to to to, to connect you with some of the people that are there uh, doing great things. Um, and oof, but yeah, go and read it. Go buy Destiny magazine and read it. I was going to do you a bit and read them for you, but ah. Uh-uh.